in Matthew chapter 7. We're still cruising through the Sermon on the Mount. We finally made it to Matthew chapter 7. And uh, as we're going through this this morning, we are, uh, we're going to be hitting uh, one of the scriptures that is the world's, probably the world uh, outside of Christendom. It's their favorite scripture to reference to Christians. We're going to be hitting that this morning. The world's favorite scripture to uh, to remind us of, and we have to be. This is Jesus' words, and so we have to be aware of it and understand it. We're going to be talking about judging this morning. This is always a exciting favorite topic of everybody's, but this is one Jesus <clears throat> Jesus taught on, and we're going to be looking at it this morning. So just take your Bibles and open them up to Matthew chapter seven, and we're going to be looking at verses one through six. Matthew chapter seven, verse one through six, and it says, "Do not judge." Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye do not give <clears throat> dogs what is sacred do not throw your pearls to pigs if you do they may eat they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces here we are Jesus is talking about judging and we have to make sure that we rightly understand what he's saying or else we're gonna end up doing the wrong thing with this passage. We're going to have to make sure that we interpret it right. I got my pilot's license a number of years ago. I haven't got the privilege to fly in many, many years. And uh, anyways, but I got my license years ago. And, and uh, of course, everybody remembers 9-11. And it really, uh, they, right at 9-11, they shut down all of the air traffic. No, no planes were getting off the ground anywhere for days. They finally started to release the um, the big airliners and they let some of those but no private aircraft then they started to release a few private aircraft and then finally over about a 10-day period they released everybody to get back into the air again well it wasn't but just a few weeks after they started letting everybody back up in the air again but they were really really watching all of the air traffic a whole lot it was really really tight well I was having to uh, fly to drop uh, some people off in Del Rio. In fact, Ruben Ramirez was on this little trip. And uh, anyways, I was having to drop some people off in Del Rio. And it was the, uh, of course, we took off here in San Angelo from the, from the airport. And uh, I'd never flown to Del Rio before, but I did all my homework. I had my headings. I had all my stuff. I had my maps and uh, stuff laid out. And we jumped in the airplane, take off, head, uh, and are flying to Del Rio. All's good. Have an uneventful trip. We get to Del Rio, and of course, Lake Amstead, this huge lake, is there right outside of Del Rio, and the airport's just right off the lake. Whereas we're coming in, the tower, I was on the right frequency and all that, the tower talks to me and tells me, you know, 6-1 Lima Victor, which was our, my airplane, and says, would you uh, like vectors to the airport? Do you want directions to the airport? you want a heading to fly? And I radioed back to them and said, no, we're just going to fly over the 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 lake I know where the airport is we're just gonna fly over the lake and we're just gonna check out the lake and then when I head into the airport I'm gonna let you know 
The guy con tower controller said, no problem. Let me fly around. So we're going along, we're flying around, checking out the checking out the lake and seeing everything. You know, I know that any time now I'm gonna get ready and I'm gonna make my you know, my right hand turn. I'm just gonna turn to this side and then I'm gonna head right over here to the to the airport. And we're still enjoying the lake and looking at the lake. The uh air traffic controller gets back on and says, Six one Lima Victor, would you like vectors to the airport? Now respond to them and let them know again. No, we're still looking at the lake, and I'll I'll turn to the, I know where the airport's at. I'll turn to the airport. So we cruise along a little bit, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, he gets on six one Lima Victor turn and gives me a heading and says now. And I'm just bewildered. I'm just sitting there confused because he's having me turn uh, what would be a, the opposite direction what I needed to turn. I mean the the airport is over here. Why is he having me why is he having me turn over here and I'm just sitting there trying to figure it out and I'm still just flying just due south. And pretty soon one of the guys in the airplane says that's that's the Rio Grande under us. And they uh air traffic controller yells emphatically, 61 Lima Victor, turn now. And so I could hear the urgency in their voice. I knew, well, you know, I was heading about to cross over into Mexican airspace. They're going to be scrambling jets and all sorts of stuff. And a little airplane I fly is one of the drug runners you love to fly. And, and uh, so I just obey. I have no idea. I'm like, there's, I don't know where they're sending me. And I turn and I take their heading. Whoop. And I take, and then there's the airport right in front of me it's like what and then i was more confused the, the, somebody moved the airport what is the what is the deal and so i go ahead go through the deal they get me in the pattern and i get in the pattern and i land the plane i'm like what happened and then i realized that was the first time i had ever flown due south and maps are laid out north so I am flying due south, holding a map pointing north. And so as I'm looking at the map, going, well, there, it's going to be on this side. Airport's going to be on the right-hand side of the lake. As I'm going down, I was supposed to have my map turned upside down so it matched the lay of the land so that everything worked. And... uh I was I because I was looking at it incorrectly my judgment and my decision and my interpretation of how everything was supposed to work was completely wrong and uh, I was if I'd have gone too much further I was gonna get us all shot out of the sky uh, for uh, <laughs> they weren't playing at that point in time it was at post 9-11 they were they were not joking and uh, Anyway, so we have to make sure that we are rightly interpreting. We have to make sure that when we are looking at this stuff, that we are looking at it from the right angle, or we're going to end up making some wrong decisions and walking this out in the, in the wrong way. As we look at this passage in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, it's, verse 1 seems like it is so self-explanatory. Just look at verse 1 all stuff, and that's the favorite one of the world to, t to remind us of. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. 
All right, Christians, you're not allowed to judge. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. But what's funny is we look at this, we read the rest of the passage right on next, and Jesus immediately is telling us to make judgment calls. So how do we do this? As we read here, let's look at, do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way that you judge others, that you judge others, you too will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, so you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There's something in your brother's eye. There's, there's something that's bothering you, and you've got to make a judgment call on that, something that's... that's uh, that's getting in the way of what what God's best is for you and there's something in the way in somebody's life and what's best for them and you're having to make a judgment call on that I mean here it is it says don't judge but yet we're having to look in somebody else's life and help them deal with an issue that's a judgment call then it gets then we get down to verse 6 and it says do not give dogs what is sacred do not throw your pearls to pigs or if you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now they were not having a problem with, uh, they were not having a problem. Are y'all smelling this? Okay, they're, we have to be out of here soon. There's an event right on our heels. And so they're barbecuing outside and they're having a fundraiser, a barbecue fundraiser. So if you smell the lighter fluid and all that stuff, that's what's it's happening right outside. So. Anyways, but he says, don't give to dogs your treasure or cast your, or what is sacred, or cast your pearls before pigs. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about literal treasure. They weren't having a problem with people taking all of their precious stuff and giving it to animals. That was, that was not the issue. Jesus was actually referring to people, individuals, as dogs and pigs. And tell them, you're going to have to make a judgment call and not give to these people who at this point in their life are dogs and pigs and then we're going to get in breaking that down and understand what that means but that is you definitely having to make a judgment call you're definitely having to discern so with that what does this what does this verse one mean do not judge or you too will be judged well the first thing or what jesus is talking about is he is condemning condemning He's telling us we're not allowed to condemn. He's telling us to don't round down on people. Don't take them and, and round down on them. Don't look at their life and shift them in to this lower station. Do not judge, do not condemn this individual. This Greek word krino, which is translated judge, is actually better translated to try, condemn, and punish somebody who's doing that is basically standing in the position of judge jury and executioner that they are they are making a value statement on this entire person's life they are saying that and taking this taking value away from this individual and that is what we're not allowed to do god alone is the one who is going to be the judge of all of all who've ever lived God alone is the only one 
that's going to do that. And we have to make sure that we don't step over into that because we don't know everything that's going on. So we can't allot someone and place them in this idea of who's going to heaven and who's not. Of who's in right standing with God and who's not. All we can do is judge on specific actions. We can judge specific actions according to the word. But we can't make a judgment call on the individual themselves. We can't do the, and change their value. We can't forget that each individual was worth heaven's best. And we can't then take that and devalue it. And it is so easy for us to do. John Wesley, who uh, was, of course, the founder of the Methodist, the Methodist Church, an incredibly prolific evangelist, just preached all over the place, and, and, was an, <clears throat> and where he differed from George Whitfield, who was a contemporary of his, is that John Wesley made disciples of them. He had his methods of people to grow in Christ. That's why they were called the Methodists. And they, the people were consistently made disciples. Well, he was, uh, um, he had admitted in one of his memoirs that he had made an incredible mistake in violating Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, on not judging. There was a guy that he was familiar with in a town that he frequented that he had judged this man as greedy and covetous and, and miserly in his words. He had judged this man this way. Well, this man ends up getting saved and coming into the church and hadn't been saved but just a real long time. Well, they had had this special offering for this really needy, uh, this really <clears throat> good charity to, to give to a, a, a needy cause. And so the guy comes up and they're presenting their gifts. And John Wesley, this great man of God, is sitting there watching this and sees this individual that he has judged in his heart as miserly and greedy. And he sees him put in just this little bitty teensy weensy amount of money into this deal. And he rebuked him publicly. And so for not for just not really caring about this cause and just stepped over and rebuked him well the guy stayed quiet about it and came to john wesley after the meeting privately and told him and said well um you know reverend i want to explain to you that all of my life i had lived as a as just a, a greedy covetous cheating financial man he said, and when, since I have gotten saved, he said, I have been living personally on water and parsnips for <clears throat> this extended period of time and taking all of his money and going back because he had stiffed all of these people that he had done business with. And so, and he's taken all of his money to make restitution and giving back. And he said, to prove what God can do in the heart of a greedy man to change them and he was going back and giving all his money to make restitution and he said all i can do above my tithe because he was he was tithing he says and all i can do above my tithe is that little bitty bit he said i have to make good with the rest of my money on all of these people i cheated in my life and so here john was just felt so horrible 
because he had made this judgment call about this guy because he had judged him in his heart as this kind of person instead of a man who had those kind of actions that needed to shift and here he was he was in church and he was giving it wasn't as much as maybe he thought he should give or maybe he thought he had the means to give but he had made that judgment call and judged the man as this miserly greedy individual and it tainted his view of that guy's actions and we have to make sure that as believers that we don't judge people we can't stand in the place of making this judgment call that this person is this kind of individual we can't do that because then as they begin to shift then we will continue to view them through those glasses we have to view them like God does where we see the value and the love that God has for each individual but yet still not like any quarter of sinful actions that doesn't mean we have to love the fact that somebody's being destructive and stupid to themselves or in other individuals but we have to make sure that we don't carry that our dislike for those sinful actions to where we frame that individual as condemned individual we can't round them down we can't pull their value out of them each of us is made in the image of God and that is the place of judgment we are not allowed to go only God can make that decision Romans chapter 14 verse 10 says you then why do you judge your brother or why do you look down on your brother for we will all stand before God's judgment seat so here we are we're not allowed to judge our brother but yet here in verse 5 it says if if the plank is removed from our eye then we can remove the speck from our brother's eye okay so this judge here in Romans is telling us that same thing of the first verse don't condemn them don't place this value on them that they're this kind of individual we can't we're not allowed to do that but when we see them as the value that they are then we can begin to be there to be able to help remove those specks when God begins to use us to remove those specks out of their lives whenever in whenever I need something of value cleaned up really well in my house <clears throat> then I get my oldest son to do it when Keenan understands that something has value he has incredible patience and will be so tender and careful with things and cleaning them up and he'll be when there are things that he values in his room or his stuff he'll be so tender and so careful and when he knows that it really matters and we were cleaning our motorhome up to get it up for sale then I needed the rims to look really good well I put Keenan on that job and I said son this rims are gonna make this whole thing look good and if these look good it's gonna make the whole bus look good and man he worked and cared and all of that if the value isn't there of the deal well he doesn't he doesn't do that with everything he's just not this little neat freak on everything you know he just <laughs> blast through but if there's value there 
then all of a sudden, then his patience level goes way up and he will be meticulous and careful on those things. See, that's why it's so important. If we value, if we remove the value from it, our patience to deal with it goes away. Why? It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. If we keep the value in each individual that, that we meet, then we're so careful and precious in dealing with those specks. Why? Because that speck is on something that is so valuable. We have to do that. Otherwise, we'll just disregard the whole thing. Just say, I don't care about you or your life. We have to make sure that we don't do that. Because the, the condemnation it what, is what runs people off. The Word of God tells us that it's the love of God that draws men into repentance. It's His love that draws men into repentance. Back when Brandon and I were in college then, uh, of course, at that point, it, you know, if you were really, really on fire for God and you loved God and, and you cared about people's eternal uh, eternity, where they were going to go, well, then you were going to street preach. You know, you were going to, you can get out there and you're going to do some open air preaching. And so we had us a whistle and we would uh, get out there at ASU with our whistle and get in the free speech area and whoop, you know, get everybody's attention and then preach real quick. And anyways, Brandon had this idea and I don't remember if he ever did it at ASU, but I know he did it in San Marcos whenever he moved and would go to where all the college kids were hanging out. And he made a nice little sign that said free prayer on the sign and then under it had a little heading that said condemnation not included and uh, he would just stand out there on the on the square with this sign being willing to pray with anybody about anything because most people are open to prayer they're just they're just afraid of the condemnation they've been there's run into too many judgmental Christians who've rounded down on them and removed their value not added value so he would stand out there with his free prayer condemnation not included making sure they understood that they could bring any issue that they're dealing with and bring it to prayer we have to be that way we have no idea how much courage it takes some people to just walk in and show up at a church service we have no idea how much you know what's going on. so we have to make sure that we see the value out of somebody for a friend of yours is to broach a subject and, and want to talk about some delicate issue we have no idea how much courage it took them to finally say hey I need to talk about this we have to make sure that that we keep the value in the individual and we may have to tell them yeah that that needs to go that's wrong that's 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 gonna hold you back in life that's gonna hold you back in your walk with God but we have to keep the value in each individual Paul says that he wouldn't even judge or condemn himself first Corinthians 4 verses 3 through 4 says I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court indeed I don't even judge myself I don't even condemn myself my conscience is clear but that does not make me innocent my conscience is clear but that doesn't mean it's not, not because I haven't done anything wrong his conscience is clear because it is the Lord who judges me he had confidence in the Lord making the right judgment when you are under the blood of Christ when you understand what Jesus has done 
it is a place of peace to know that God is the one who's judging you because he's judging based on his son. He's not judging based on me. He's judging based on the, the, the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. Ultimately, in this, do not judge lest you be judged. We have to make sure that we don't let ourselves get in the place of God's judgment seat. We have to understand that the, <clears throat> the in verse 2, that the bar that we set, we must clear ourselves. When we set that bar, whatever measure we use, that's the measure that's going to be measured to us. The standard that we set for everybody else, that you only have value if you make this, that's, that's going to be the value that everybody's going to hold you to, whether they mean to or not. You set it yourself. I'm constantly reminding my kids on the way they treat other people that you are training people how to treat you by the way you treat them. You are showing them how you want to be treated by the way you treat others. That, that, is, that is, as a process of time, what will come back to you. There was a bishop named Bishop Potter who back at the turn of the century was going back and forth between uh, Europe and uh, um, the, uh, the U.S. And of course they would take a transatlantic ship and at that point, then the, the rooms were so expensive that if you weren't traveling in, in a group, then you were going to get a bed in a room, and there would be somebody else that you have no idea who they are who's sharing this room with you in this other berth, in this other bed. Well, he goes in, and he meets the other guy on this particular trip, Bishop Potter does, and he meets this individual who's going to be sharing his room, and he immediately grabs his pocket watch, grabs his, uh, his, all his money, all his valuables, and goes to the steward of the ship and asks the steward of the ship if he will keep them in the ship safe and tells the steward of the ship, he says, I've just, I've just met the guy that I'm sharing my room with and just from looking at the guy, I just, I just don't really trust him. Can you, can you put my stuff in your safe? And the steward said, yeah, I just, I just took care of that for a man. Uh, in fact, it was uh, your roommate. He said the same thing about you. <laughs> and so we have to make sure that we understand that with that, the standard that we set, that is the measure that's going to be measured back to us. If this is where somebody's value is, if we miss that, we have just said we are of no value. We've said it ourselves. We have to make sure that we don't do that. Romans 2 verse 1 says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Again, we cannot be placing judgment, being that judge, jury, and executioner on people. The next thing is that we see here is in verse 3 and 4 is that plank removal becomes comes before speck removal. Both are going to happen. But we have to understand and be ready for the for the the spirit of God to deal with our issues in our life first. 
and that and that the, our issues need to be seen in us in purport, in that same proportion that in our life this is a plank this is a big issue and everybody else's issue is a speck and we need to see that in that proportion and if we do that we'll keep we'll keep our attitudes in check because guess what sin is sin it is and what we'll end up doing is we'll get the proportion flipped around and our issues are little and we can deal with those whenever we want to but everybody else's is big and they need to be dealt with right now but Jesus reversed that and said you need to see your issues as big your issues are planks everybody else's are specks and remove your plank first and we need to make sure to deal with this we need to make sure that we're always asking and answering our two questions where are you and which way forward from here where are we what am I dealing with where's my relationship with God where's my relationship with others well how am I going forward and then with that once I'm located which way forward from here what do I need to do what do I need to do with God James, well, the word of God reveals our issues. It reveals our planks. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself, then goes away and straightforward forgets what manner of man he was but he that looks into the perfect law of liberty the <clears throat> perfect law the law of liberty and so continues being not a hearer that forgets but a doer that works this man shall be blessed in his doings the word of god is like a mirror it shows us what kind of person we are it shows us where we're where the specks are it shows us where the planks are so that we can deal with and we have to make sure that we are constantly going to the word that we are constantly going to the word to for the word to show us those planks those issues in our lives god will also will use us to help remove other people's specks he is going to use us in that matter we will be making judgment calls. We will be saying, yeah, man, that issue in your life needs to be dealt with. We will be doing it, but it's about the issue. It's not about valuing the person. We're not judging the person. We're judging the issue. We're judging this that needs to be go. Man, you are, you are valuable to God. We can't let that thing get in the way. Galatians 6 1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently but watch yourself or you may also be tempted ephesians 4 15 says instead of instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow into him who is the head that is the christ if we speak the truth in love then we're going to grow up into this glorious head that we have jesus christ is the head of the church and as we speak the truth in love, we genuinely love one another and deal with it and, and let, the, let the word of God be the word of God and show the issues that we have to deal with in our lives. Speak the truth in love. We're all going to grow up. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And when you, you think about this, it's, 
it initially sounds real good and manly, you know, you get together and iron, sharpening iron, and you know, making us better and sharper and all that. But when you think about the process, it's just rubbing together. That can a lot of times not be a lot of fun. And with that, as that sharp edge is being revealed, there are these little, little burrs, these little flecks of metal, these little specks that are slowly being removed to reveal that sharp edge. As we allow God to minister to us through each other, then those little specks get removed. Those issues get dealt with. It's not that we're being judgmental because we're valuing you. You are so valuable, we can't let this stay. We didn't remove your value, we left your value. We just need to deal with this issue so that you can be all that you're supposed to be. We do have to make judgment calls. We have to. And then the last thing we're going to hit on is that we have to be careful in offering our precious advice. Here in verse 6, it says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. It's kind of funny because we had uh, um, communion <clears throat> this morning, and this represents the... Uh, this represents the, the body of Christ, and these are our sacraments, our sacred things. And, of course, there's nothing special about the bread. It came from Walmart, and so it, didn't, it wasn't given from heaven itself. But what's funny is this preparation was made last night, and the bread was already bought. But guess what? When Miss Cassie went to leave this morning, their dog, Coco, had ate all our communion bread. She had to run to Walmart and get some more holy bread. Some more communion bread because the dog ate it up. Well, that's not a normal thing. And she didn't offer, she wasn't offering communion to the dog. He just was, Coco was hungry. But uh, this don't give dogs what is sacred. <clears throat> Do not throw your pearls to pigs. This, when Jesus, Jesus is, is, is a Jew. And he's talking to a Jewish audience. And when he says dogs and pigs, it's not just some sort of a put-down, like when we call somebody a pig. It's not just this put-down. It is representative. It's showing them the Gentile nation, these people who have no relationship with God or care to. They don't understand the covenant. They don't understand the things of God. And they don't care to. It's just completely these wonderful holy things are as foreign to them and make as much sense as a pearl does to a pig. They don't understand the value of it. And that is what he is saying. And that kind of judgment call has to be made on whether or not somebody is valuing the things of God. And it says don't just go around giving your advice and because at some point we do have to make the decision that we're going to help a brother. We're going to deal with their issues, their specs. But it says just because somebody said you see somebody sinning doesn't give you the right to go ahead and just say, oh man, God hates that issue in your life and you need to deal with this. If they are at that place in their life of not caring what God says about anything, then it's completely pointless. It says they're going to, they're going to trample it under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. To really be able to receive, to receive what's being offered, we have to have this very gentle spirit that has to be there 
we used to go to Inks Lake all the time at, springs, at spring break. And uh, Inks Lake was a lot of fun. We'd do all sorts of fishing and just hanging out. And, and uh, there's all sorts of squirrels and deer and all that there. Where This one particular year, we were, or some deer that we were uh, feeding, and we fed it some of our corn and fed it some stuff. Well, this one particular little doe was being real approachable. Well, eventually I had the, some rich crackers, and I began to feed them to this little doe and it would eventually it would take it out of my hand and then it would pull closer and haul and take it out of my hand and let me pet it with the other hand and then eventually I took a rich cracker and put it in my lips and that doe comes and takes that rich cracker just right out of my lips and just munches on that rich cracker and so which is amazing because that all the deer's natural enemies they kill with their teeth they kill with their mouths and so here is this doe being willing to come and take something from my mouth <clears throat> from the very part that her natural enemies would kill her with and come and receive that that little cracker from my mouth now see when somebody is willing to receive the 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 pearls of wisdom being able to receive correction and instruction there is that vulnerability in that moment because it is so easy for us to hurt with our mouths when somebody is being willing to accept correction or rebuke or instruction it is so easy for us to be able to wound with our mouths but yet they're having to take that pearl of wisdom directly from our mouths and I'm telling you, with that little deer, as it came up, had I made one wrong move, boom, she'd have been gone. Had I made one little sign of aggression, she'd have been gone. And I had to sit there patiently, having it presented, having it available, and letting her come and timidly, humbly receive that from my lips. As we are being there for each other, we have to value each other. And we do have to put those things that God has made available in our hearts and that understanding, those pearls of wisdom, we have to be able to put them out there. We have to care for one another enough to point, to point and say, man, you're heading for a cliff. You're doing these things, but we have to do it with that kind of a spirit. Well, I value you. I understand this is a touchy deal. I'm not going to make one false move. I'm not just going to come in here slashing so I get this off my conscience that I've said this, but I really care about you and I'm making this available and, and I'll allow them to receive that. We have to care. And it starts in valuing each other, valuing each other like Christ valued us. We can't judge each other, but we do have to be willing to deal with the specks in each other's life. And that takes a walk of love, where we see what each other is really worth, see what, what really hurts each other, and be able to be really vulnerable and really patient with each other. <clears throat> well, God is that patient. And God is that, puts it out there for it. He puts his love and care and his relationship out there that delicately and it takes us being willing to come and humbly receive what he has for for us right quick if everybody could just bow your heads and close your eyes 
Uh, I want